Welcome, CE family. We are so glad that you're here with us today. You know, I've been looking forward to the new trending series, and it's finally here. Speaking of trending, I was thinking of all the electronics we've had over the decades. Like, check out this baby. This is a record player. And people used to think that this was actually cutting edge technology. It's a way that people used to listen to music. And then they came out with eight tracks and even cassette tapes. And then we got to these babies, CDs. See, I think of the trend of electronic entertainment. Like, remember these Nintendo gaming systems? Or how people used to have to use these VHS tapes to watch movies? Now we can stream movies or TV series anytime we want. Yeah, thank goodness now we've got smartphones. And whatever's trending on your phone, whether it be Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, Snapchat, we'll keep you updated on what is going on at CE with our social media. And you can find us on Instagram, Facebook, the CE website, or even on the CE app. We have so many things that you don't want to miss out on. Speaking of not missing out, next week is Mother's Day, and we have a gift for every mother and lady that's joining us for that special celebration. I also cannot wait to laugh with you about some of the trending mom phrases. It is going to be unforgettable. Okay, before we dive into the rest of our service, I just wanted to welcome any VIPs. Those are our first time guests. We would love to get to know you. Go ahead and pull out your phone and scan the QR code on the screen so we can get connected. Or you can go old school and fill out the response card on the bottom of your weekly and then drop it in the offering bucket as it passes by. I know some of you are wanting to get connected by going to first class, getting baptized, or joining a life group. Simply scan this code or fill out the response card and we'll get a hold of you too. Okay, it's time. Let's see what's trending next at CE.
never changes, it never changes. You heard your children then, you hear your children now. You are the same God, you are the same God. You answered prayers back then, and you will answer. same God you were providing then you are providing now you are the same God You're the same God who moved the mountains, who parted the seas. Father, we know that you're going to do the same thing for us. Father, I just pray that our hearts will just follow you, to surrender to you, God. We love you, God, so much. And we just thank you. I pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Thank you. 
Well, hey, welcome to Church Experience. We're so happy that you're here today. And listen, I think you're gonna be happy that you're here today because today's message title is the best rest you'll ever get. The best rest you'll ever get. You ready for this? <laughs> I'm ready to get after it. And as we're getting into the message today, I gotta tell you, uh, Jennifer and I, we had this, this friend from back in the day. And man, this guy, he loved, he loved to include 1990s phrases in his conversations. Like, I don't think he did it on purpose, but he was absolutely notorious for throwing these statements in. Like, you'd be in a conversation with him, and all of a sudden he'd say, psych, or not, or hey, that's what I thought. And you're like, what are you doing? This is like, the, it's not the 1990s anymore. And he's still bringing these phrases back. And man, we laugh so hard about this guy. And, and you know, the thing is like, trendy phrases, they're, they're, they're kind of an interesting thing, right? Because like when they first come out, when there's a, a new trendy statement, you're, like, you're kind of unsure if you should use it because you're not really sure the people you're saying it to have heard it yet. So you don't know if they're gonna understand you or if it really is trending or you just heard it from somewhere, right? But then after you've been using it for a while and other people have been using it, you're not sure if you should keep using these trendy statements, right? Because because you don't know, maybe they're not as trending anymore, right? And people are gonna like date you like when you still use them. Like my friend still using 1990s phrases today, right? They're an interesting and funny thing, trending phrases. And, and sometimes words or statements are made that last a short time. Sometimes trending phrases last a long time. And sometimes they last a lifetime. But Jesus has some powerful statements that were said 2,000 years ago and have trended for two millennia and are still drenched with power to transform our lives today. Trending. Every week in this teaching series, we're looking at a statement of Jesus that although said 2,000 years ago has power to transform and change our lives here and now. So let's get after it. Let's get after today's trending statement. Here it is. Maybe you want to write it down. Jesus said the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Now, I don't know how that hit you, but I believe by the end of this message, that statement, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath, I believe you're going to see how powerful it was, how powerful it is today, and why it has trended for 2,000 years. Well, to set up the context for today's statement, we're going to look back at some of the most trending statements from the Bible. We're going to look at the Old Testament in the book of Exodus and the Ten Commandments. These Ten Commandments of God, these Ten Statements from God, they have lasted for thousands of years, and they are known by everyone, even people who would not say they're followers of Jesus. If you ask them what the Ten Commandments are, they're probably going to give you an answer. Exodus chapter 20, verse 8, one of the Ten Commandments. God said, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor the foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days, the Lord made the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that is in them. But he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. God blessed it. He said, work six and rest one. And that, that seventh day, that's a day of rest. And what did he say? He said, it's holy. 
which means set apart. It's a set apart day. It's a different day than the other six. The other six days, we're hustling, we're grinding, we're putting food on the table, we're getting the job done. But on the seventh day, that's a different day. That's a blessed day. That's a special day. And God said, give me that day. I want that day to be a special day and I want to bless you on that day. I want to do something special in your life on that day. This is one of the 10 10 commandments. In Israel, they honored God through the Sabbath by working six and resting one. For them, usually it was sundown on Friday to sundown on Saturday. That was their Sabbath rest, their Shabbat, as they called it. In Ezekiel chapter 20, verse 20, take a look at this verse. It says, God says, keep my Sabbaths holy that they may be a sign between us. Then you will know that I am the Lord, your God. So this was part of their relationship with God. This was, this was part of their identity as followers of God. And one of the ways that they stayed close to him is that by this, by keeping the Sabbath, you'll know that I am God. But by this once a week where you reconnect with me in a deeper way and you worship me in a special way and you rest from all you're creating so that I can recreate in you. You, you stop the striving and you pursue me in a special way. By this, you will know that I am God. See, here's the idea of, of, of Shabbat. It, it actually, the Hebrew word for Shabbat literally means to stop working. <laughs> that, that's what it means. This is a very simple concept. Just, just stop. <laughs> just hit the pause button. You can get back at it the next day, but, but just, just stop working. And, and, they, and they would do some special things on this day. They would, they would eat together. They would worship together, right? It's a beautiful thing. But here's the idea on it. We stop our daily work so that we can start a deeper work. That's the idea of Sabbath is we stop our daily work, our normal grind, so that God can begin a new work, a deeper work inside of us, in our soul. That's that's the idea of Sabbath. That's God's creation. It's not man's idea. It's not a day off. Sabbath is, is something sacred. It's special. It's from God. And just like the other Ten Commandments, we, we don't dismiss it. Now, a lot of people neglect the Sabbath. You could make an argument that it's the, of all the Ten Commandments, it's the one that's the most neglected. But in the same way that we don't dismiss and throw out all the Ten Commandments, you know, that's the Old Testament. We don't, we don't say that about thou shalt not murder. We still think that's a good commandment from God. Thou shalt not steal. Right? We still believe that. Thou shalt not commit adultery, have no other gods before me. We don't dismiss the Ten Commandments, so why is it that we neglect the commandment to honor the Sabbath and keep it holy? You know, we dismiss it to our own peril, to our own loss. We really do. And, and, and I want to show you that by looking at another passage in the Old Testament from Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 58, check out verse 13. I, I love this. It says, if you keep your feet from breaking the Sabbath, and from doing as you please on my holy day. If you call the Sabbath a delight, come on, help me preach. Somebody say delight. Yeah, it's, it's a delight. He says, if, if you keep it your delight and the Lord's holy day honorable, and if you honor it by not going your own way, not doing as you please or speaking idle words, then, so it's an if-then statement, then you will find your joy in the Lord. Come on, somebody say joy. <laughs> That's awesome. It's the, the joy of the Lord. And I will cause you to ride in triumph on the heights of the land and to feast on the inheritance of your father, Jacob, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Man, that's some good stuff that God wants for you. 
He wants you to triumph. He wants you to experience joy. He calls this day blessed. I mean, come on, this is, this is some good stuff. This is God's plan for you. And he calls it a delight. If you will delight in the Sabbath, it sounds so different than what we think of as like, oh, this is a, a command, a ritual, something I have to do. Man, this is something you get to do. This is a delight in the Lord. And it's interesting that it says that it should bring great joy. Bring great joy. Now, this probably depends, like, you know, if you're coming from a perspective, you love your work or you hate your work, you know, this idea of taking a day off. When I first was becoming a senior pastor, I had this guy in our church. He's now passed away. He was a former Navy guy. I loved him. His name was Ron. He's a great guy. He always gave me a hard time. I'm a young pastor. He's in his 70s. And he was always messing with me. And he's like, he's like, man, what, what do you do all week? You pastors, you only work one day a week. And he loved it when I would give it back to him and I would. I'd be like, what do you mean work one day a week? I don't work one day a week. I only work a half day a week. I just work Sunday morning. That's it, man. <laughs> and we just had this banter going back and forth. But the truth is, now I, I do struggle with like fitting all the work in throughout the week because I love what I get to do. I mean, I could work seven days. In fact, if I had a few bonus days, I think I could fill them because I get to do God's work. I mean, I get to do church work. That's my work. I get to minister to people and I get to study the Bible and I get to lead our church and, and try to make an impact in the community and expand God's kingdom. I mean, like I, I love what I get to do. And, and here's what I'm trying to say is that like that work is never done, right? And, and you might have a job where you work with people and the job is never done, right? It's not like there's an, a finish line <laughs> but because we can all get closer to Jesus, and there's lots of spiritually lost people all around us. And so I love what I get to do. And so when I, I started practicing more seriously the idea of Sabbath earlier in my ministry, I had a hard time with it because I really liked to work and there was still more work to be done. And I didn't really know what to do when I wasn't working because that was so much a part of my identity and my life on the other days of the week to just not work. I just kind of drifted. And it wasn't a great day in a lot of ways because I, I just didn't know what to do with myself. I was like, well, I don't know what I'm going to do all day if I can't work. And that's a big part of my life. And, and there's things to be done. So I'm kind of stressed about that. And, and I just, honestly, I didn't know how to even approach it. But there's this, this quote that I'll share with you from a guy named Lance Witt who, who did some writing on this topic. And he said, it might take some time to detox from your addiction to work, technology, productivity, hurry, and busyness. And, and I love that idea of like how he approaches it. He's like, it actually is, is kind of like an addiction, like to, to be so caught up in hurry and productivity. And when we're all about progress in our world, whatever it is that you are doing with your time, like we're trying to make progress. It, it might be just clearing out your inbox, right? We, we love to check the boxes and get stuff done. And we fill our calendars more than they should be full. And, and we're all about this hurried pace in life. And he says, you might have to detox to, to get used to not being in a hurry, like just one day a week. That, that's going to be a transition. And, and as I practiced the Sabbath over the years, I'll tell you, like that day every week is a special day in our family and it's a special day in my life. And I look forward to it with great joy. It has become a delight for me. So I'm, I'm just telling you from one person to another, if, if by chance this is something that is not a rhythm in your life, a spiritual rhythm where you work six and rest one. I'm telling you, like, it, it's going to be a transition. It's going to be awkward at first. And some of you might try it and you might fall back into old patterns because you're like, I just can't do that. I can't, either I can't get all my work done in six, you don't think, or I don't know what to do with that seventh day. I'm telling you, it can be a joy, but it just might be a transition to get there. And, and here's the idea of it. We move away from work so God can do a fresh work in us. That's the whole idea of it. We, we move away from our work so God can do a fresh work in us. He's recreating us. That's the idea of recreation. It's recreating us. God wants to recreate your soul 
He wants to refresh your spirit so that you have more to bring those other six days of the week as you serve him and live for him and all the other things that you're doing. He wants to refuel your tank, to recharge your battery. That's God's idea of Sabbath. However, however, and we're building towards Jesus' trending statement we read at the beginning. We're building towards it. Because see, this was God's idea of Sabbath was to be a refreshing time. But when Jesus showed up on earth, when he arrived, the Jews had taken this gift and they turned it into guilt. This idea of Shabbat to stop working, it had become a legalistic rule following ritual that instead of being a life giving connection to God that restores our joy, it was anything but that. It was a, it was not a blessing. It was actually a burden for people. They had this thing called the, the oral Torah. So there was the written Torah and then there was the oral Torah and they, they had all these extra rules that they had written down. And there was 39 different things that they had listed out in the oral Torah, 39 different things that were considered work that you couldn't do on Shabbat. I mean, they had detailed it and defined it. It was a burden for people and they couldn't do anything because they had people watching them and looking over their shoulder and it was, it was just this burden. And this is, this is the scene when Jesus showed up, a, a ritualistic, legalistic concept of the idea of Sabbath that was meant to be a gift. Now, maybe part of that came from the seriousness that God approached Sabbath with. It was a big deal. It wasn't something to be treated lightly. In fact, in Exodus chapter 31, look at verse 14 of Exodus chapter 31, God says, observe the Sabbath because it is holy to you. Now, now look what he said. This is Old Testament. He says, anyone who desecrates it is to be put to death. And those who do any work on that day must be cut off from their people. For six days, work is to be done, but the seventh day is a day of Sabbath rest, holy to the Lord. Whoever does any work on the Sabbath is to be put to death. Now, that's in God's word. I mean, that, that was... That was how, how they learned about the Sabbath as they read it and they studied it, like what God expected. They're like, man, this is a serious deal to God. This is not something to be treated casually. This is like, just like on the level of do not murder, do not commit adultery, like honor the Sabbath day, keep it holy. And there's consequences if you don't. I mean, that, that was kind of the, the culture. And so because it was taken so seriously, perhaps it, it started, it started to, to shift into, instead of a blessing became a burden. You can't do it. And because it's a serious thing, if you do work on the Sabbath, there were those who were watching if you were working or not. And they defined what it meant to work with these 39 different expectations. So instead of this life-giving day, it's like, well, I just got to be careful. I don't mess up. You ever feel like that? Like people are kind of watching over your shoulder and like, you know, they seem like they got things figured out. And you're like, man, I'm just screwing up all over the place. And I mean, that, that must have been how it felt. I was like, I'm, I'm never going to be able to achieve and accomplish all the expectations that God has. Which, by the way, it's a great moment in your spiritual awakening when you realize I'll never be able to keep all the expectations. Do you know there's 613 commands in God's word? Did you, did you know that? In the, in the Old Testament, there's 613 commands. A, a, a little more, it's, it's, it's like 60-40 split, but, but many of them are things that you should do and then many of them are things that you can't do. And, and a big part of why the law was given to us was to reveal something that's broken inside of us, the sin nature in us, to realize we can never keep all of those laws. We can never do all the things we should do and avoid all the things we shouldn't do. And that's why our eyes are open to the fact that we need grace that we need Jesus, that it's not about our work. We're never gonna be able to fulfill all of the expectations of perfection. 
We're imperfect. And so we need a perfect savior to stand in that gap. And that's the idea of the gospel, the good news of Jesus, that he came and his completed work on the cross stands in place of our unfinished work, of our, of our messes, of our failures. That's, that's a beautiful thing. That's a gift of God. It's a gift of Jesus to us. And, and so Jesus comes onto the scene with this good news in the midst of this this really interesting situation where the blessing had been turned into a burden. And even still today, Jews who, who follow Shabbat and they, they adhere strictly to this, this Shabbat ritual and this, this tradition that God passed down, you know, you, you'll go to Israel today and you, you can see even in, in hotels that they will have in their elevators, they, they will have Shabbat specific elevators because a Jew who's strictly following Shabbat, they won't do any work, including even pressing a button for the floor that their room is on because that's considered work to even press the button. And so literally the, the, the hotel elevator, it will stop on every single floor, right? So you don't ever have to press a button on that Shabbat specific elevator. Can you imagine if you're staying in the hotel on the 25th floor and you get into the wrong elevator? Man, that's going to be a long ride to the top, right? Every floor is opening up, right? But then you don't have to work, right? And so you can kind of see a little bit in that example of what this had become, this idea of rest. And, and now you have the full context, right? N- now you can, you can get the backdrop of what God's intention was, what man had turned it into. And now Jesus comes onto the scene with this critical trending statement that you're going to see is so powerful for us today, here and now. Mark chapter two, let's go to the New Testament. Mark chapter two, beginning in verse 23. It says, one Sabbath, Jesus was going through the grain fields and his disciples, as they walked along, began to pick some heads of grain. The Pharisees said to him, look, why are they doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? Now, now hold up for a second here. So it actually tells us in Deuteronomy Part of God's law says, as you're passing through a field, you actually can pick grapes. You can pick kernels from the wheat. You, you can feed yourself off of someone else's field as you're passing through. This was actually written in the law. So they're not saying that this is unlawful for them to actually eat while they're doing it. It's because they did it on Shabbat. Again, they were following the Shabbat legalistically. And so to take kernels of grain to eat when they're hungry, that was considered reaping. It's very similar to working. And so because they were reaping on the Sabbath, they were working and they were violating Shabbat. And so they confront Jesus and they say, why are you allowing your followers to essentially work on the Sabbath? And they were just feeding themselves. Notice how Jesus responds. He answered, have you never read what David did when he he and his companions were hungry and in need? Now, let me just pause there for a second. When Jesus said, have you never read, that would have been offensive because these Pharisees, these religious leaders, they were meticulous about the law. They had memorized the first five books of the Old Testament at a very young age. They knew so much about God's word. For him to say the statement, have you never read, would be offensive. Like it would be considered sarcastic. Like, no, of course, of course we've read the whole thing. We get it. We know it, right? I mean, that, that's what they were oppressing on others is they were making sure that everyone followed every single thing. And that, that, was, that was their thing. And Jesus says, have you never read the story about David and his companions when they were hungry and in need? <laughs> they, were, they were starving. You remember that story, verse 26? He says, in the days of Abiathar, the high priest, David, he entered the house of God and he ate the consecrated bread, which is lawful only for the priest to eat. And he also gave some to his companions. 
So, so what's Jesus talking about here? He, he's going to make a big point and say this trending statement here in a moment. But what he's saying is, he said, you know, you, you are so concerned about this oral Torah, these, these extra codes that, and the whole argument was, are, do these hold weight? Like, are, are these like God's requirements or are they man's requirements, right? Because they had added all this definition to the written word of God, right? And so their disciples had violated the, the, uh, oral word of God, the, the spoken word, you know, or excuse me, the, the spoken oral Torah, but, but Jesus references what's held more authority to them, the written word, and he says, don't you remember that in the written word, David and his companions, they went into the sanctuary, and they were starving, and they ate the bread? What's he talking about? Well, there was this show bread that was put out on the table, and each week, 12 loaves of unleavened bread were laid out, 12 loaves representing the 12 tribes of Israel. And, and every week they would put fresh bread out on this table in the sanctuary. And only the priests, only the priests were allowed to eat those 12 loaves of showbread on the table. But in this case, David, King David and his companions came in and they were starving and they ate the bread. And, and in God's word details and defines this story, yet never condemns them. In other words, honoring God's word, but also honoring life, and even though they violated the rule, they did it to save their lives and God doesn't condemn them. Showing that he does value the, the written word, but also he values even more so like their lives that they could survive. And it's really interesting because Jesus points out a, in the written word, which to them was higher authority than their, their spoken word, their oral Torah. And he says, hey, you've conveniently overlooked something that has even more authority, this exception that happened. And you won't even give an exception to my disciples who are hungry and they're just pulling some kernels of grain to feed themselves because they're, they're starving. And he's pointing out a contradiction in their teaching and in their lifestyle that they're more concerned about following their legalistic rules than actually honoring the spirit of God and honoring God and honoring life. And, and he's, he's pointing out this contradiction because they were into religion, not into a relationship with the living God. They were more caught up in their rules and following the rules. And so you see Jesus so often being confronted about Shabbat and the Sabbath and speaking into that and healing people. And there's so much that happens around this. But let me come back to this, this idea of, of Sabbath. There's, there's sometimes there's things in our life that are kind of like gray areas, right, we call them. It's kind of like not sure. You know what I'm talking about, right? Jennifer and I had one of these in our 20s. We had a, a neighbor behind us. And we, we bought this house and the neighbor neglected his garage. He's a nice person, right? But, but he just didn't take good care of his garage. And we would look out in our beautiful backyard. We had some pine trees. And whenever it's snow up in Michigan, the snow would fall and rest on these beautiful pine trees. And we'd look out in this backyard and see this beautiful scene, except for the back of our neighbor's garage. They had peeling paint and it was a mess and he never took care of it. But understandably so, right? Because who's going to walk around to the back of their property and look at the back of their garage, right? He, he had everything else looking good, but he didn't care about the back of his garage. Only problem was that's what we would look at. And so we'd see it. Well, one day he put his house up for sale and he actually sold his house. And between the time when he sold his house and was moving out and before the next family moved in, we thought about this garage that we looked at many times and we kind of scratched our heads and thought, well, you know what we ought to do is we ought to just go over there and paint the back of this garage so we don't have to, for the next 10 years, like stare at this, this peeling paint. So we kind of thought about it and we're like, well, it's not really our garage. We're probably painting somebody else's property. And we thought, well, nobody's living right there. And so we were kind of thinking back and forth. We're like, this is kind of a gray area. What, what would you have done? What, would you have like gone over there and painted? Would you have waited and asked them? But we didn't want to do that. We don't want to be the high maintenance neighbor. So we're kind of like in between, what should we do? Now, this was like a great area, right? And, and maybe you've had some of those. Now, before I go on, some of you are saying, did you paint the garage or not? 
I'll just say this. We were a blessing to our new neighbors and their garage. <laughs> I'll just say that. But you, you know what I'm saying, right? You, there's sometimes some areas you're like, ah, I don't know if I should go left or right. I don't know if it was right or wrong. And, and this, this area for, for the, the rule following Pharisees, this was not a great area. Somebody said, oh, it's not a big deal. We're not really reaping. We're just, we're just eating. But they said, you violated God's command. This was a serious deal for them. And because it was part of their tradition, part of their religion, they connected it to their relationship with God. And so it was hindering, listen, it was hindering their relationship with God because it was more about following the rules than living in a life-giving relationship with God. And so Jesus comes along in the midst of all of this and he says this amazing and powerful trending statement. Back in Luke chapter two, look with me real closely at verse 27. Then he says to them, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. The son of man is the Lord, even of the Sabbath. He said, this was not something that you were made for. It was made for you. It was a gift. And by the way, I'm God and I'm the Lord even over this, even over these rules. I'm Lord over everything. Even this ritual that you have elevated as such a high thing and part of your life, which it should be an important thing, but you've elevated it in a different way than I ever imagined it. And he says, I'm Lord over that. And one of the things that I love that Jesus did here is he reconciled what it actually was. It was a gift, not something meant to be done out of guilt. It was a blessing from God. And, and, and if you got one thing today, I would say this, this is the central lesson. Jesus wants Sabbath rest more for me than from me. It's something that he wants more for me than from me. He, he wants it to be a blessing in my life, a gift to me, something that I enjoy and that I, I thrive in, that refuels me. It's something that he wants done for me. But listen, he never, he never in any way said that, that that command, honoring the Sabbath in the Ten Commandments, was something that we can totally neglect. He honored the word of God. He honored the commands of God. He didn't, he didn't, he didn't delete it or void it out, but he reframed it for us. And he said, this was something that you're not made for, it's made for you. And I'm the Lord over even that. And so I want you to partake in it. I want you to rest one day out of every seven and worship me. But I want you to do it not as a rule following ritual, but I want you to do it as a life giving part of your relationship with me. So as we think about this, you know, some of us are think, thinking, well, man, that's great. In fact, I, I've been thinking I need a vacation because I work all the time and I can't get my work done even in seven days. And so I actually been thinking I need some time off. And I want to point out, I mentioned Lance Went earlier who did some writing on this topic and I read something that he wrote that just fascinated me. He said, if you live to be 80 years old and you took 52 Sabbath days per year, you would have 4,160 days total. That's 11.3 years of restful days that you would enjoy if you took a Sabbath day like you're supposed to every single week. Over 11 years of restful days in your life. Like that's significant. And most people don't do that because they fill what should be their Sabbath day with extra work that flowed over from the last six days and things that they need to do and get done. And they don't enjoy what God has actually gifted to them in the Sabbath. And so how do you, how do you maximize this gift? How, how, do you, how do you realize the Sabbath in your life in a, when we live in a society that, that crams every corner and every inch of our life with hectic, crazy busyness? How do you do that? 
Well, one is identifying that like you, you can't live at that speed all the time and have a healthy life. As I heard one person say, you can't live life at warp speed without warping your soul. You can't. You can't live life at warp speed without warping your soul. You, you've got to understand that you will never become the person you wanna be unless you take time to rest and to worship. And so how do we maximize the Sabbath? I'm gonna give you three real specific things here at the end of this message to help you apply what it means here in our modern context. As Jesus said, this is a gift for you. I'm the Lord of the Sabbath. What does that look like here and now after Jesus said that powerful statement, I'm the Lord of the Sabbath 2,000 years ago? What's that look like for you and I here and now? The first one is plan when I will weekly stop working. If you wanna experience the gift of the Sabbath, you've got to plan when you will weekly stop working. Where, where's the end of your week? And it might be different for everybody because, look, you, you might work at a hospital and, and praise God that there's people, when the rest of us are taking a day off, that there's people at the hospital, that there's firefighters, that there's police officers. I get it. And some of you have rotating schedules. You're on three and off two and that sort of thing. And, and, and you might have to rotate. But to the best of your ability to plan it, preferably on the same consistent schedule, because your body will get used to that rhythm, you need to put it on your calendar. And I would propose not calling it a day off on your calendar because a day off is something very different than a Sabbath. It's got a different divine purpose. And so call it Sabbath day on your calendar. And just say, this is when I'm finished my work. I'm gonna go after it these other six days. I'm gonna hustle. I'm gonna fill my life with whatever I have going on. But on this day, it's gonna be something different. And we're gonna get to what to do on that day here in just a moment. But you first of all have to plan when you will stop your work if you want to speed up what God wants to do in your life on the Sabbath day. And, and you might also, as part of that plan, have to make a list of the things you will not do so in other words, I'm not going to get in my inboxes that day. I'm not going to pull out some work that needs to be done and study for an exam. I'm, I'm just not doing any of that stuff. And, and, and one family I heard, they said they locked all their electronics in a box on, on their Sabbath day. They were just like, they were not getting into electronics. You're going to have to figure out what it is for you. Maybe no social media on that day. Whatever it is, it's going to bring more rest to your soul. You need to define that and decide ahead of time, pre-decide what you're not going to do. That's the first thing. The second thing, is that you have to make a plan to enjoy God's gifts to me. We have to plan to enjoy God's gifts to us. Like, like whatever that, that is for you. So for you, it might be getting out in nature. It might be enjoying a good meal with people that you love. Spend some extra time playing with your kids more than you would do in a normal day. Maybe it's just sports or reading or getting some extra sleep, taking a nap, activity. Whatever it is that refreshes your soul, Heading to the beach, man. Just find that thing for you that refreshes and refuels you and use all five of your senses and just breathe in life in a special way that day. But most critically, the third thing, after you've planned for it and after you've planned to refresh your soul with these life-giving activities, number three is connect more deeply with your Father in heaven. Connect more deeply with my Father in heaven. That, that's my number one goal on Sabbath. That's what makes it different than a day off or a vacation. That's what makes it Shabbat. I, I stop working so that God can work inside of my life. Right? I stop creating so God can recreate me and replenish me. That's the idea of Sabbath. So maybe on this day, you wanna listen a little bit more to God. We listen to him all week long, but we have all this other noise in our ear. And so we calm those other noises so God's voice can be even louder. We spend a little bit more time lingering and God's word, and maybe not just reading it like we do other days, but maybe pausing a little bit longer to reflect and think about the trajectory of our lives and does it align up with God's word. We spend a little bit more time in worship, maybe playing worship music where maybe we'd be listening to other talk radio or other sorts of things during the week. Maybe this is a time where we increase worship. Think about the lyrics, 
confess our sins to him, sit in solitude and silence and express gratitude to God. There's so many life-giving things that can accelerate your relationship with God and speed up the things that he wants to accomplish through your life if you will slow down. See, sometimes you have to slow down in order to speed other things up. But when you live at such a high speed all seven days, you never slow down to see what God really wants to do in speeding up his purposes in your life. So are you resting one day out of every seven? Are you giving God a chance to work in your life in a special way? For many of us, somewhere between Saturday and Sunday is when we find those 24 hours where we worship God and we put it on our calendar. And I would encourage you to make that a commitment and and be a part of worship with our church family, just like they did in Shabbat back in the day. They would gather together and not only eat together, but they would worship together. And and this is a sacred ritual. When we gather together in person and we worship God and we we declare his name and praise and sing him, and and we we talk to others before and afterwards, we connect. It's a part of that life-giving rest, that Sabbath. And I wanna encourage you to make that a part of your calendar. In fact, a, a real a test of how you're doing on all this is what does it take to move me off of my rhythm of worship? You know, for some people, it's as simple as, you know, some, something that pops up on their calendar or some extra work or a little bit of stress, and man, they're right back at it. But, but the real test of where, how are you doing on this is what does it take to shake me off of this Sabbath rhythm? I'm not going to let anything shake me because this is where I get my strength and my stability and my relationship with God. As we close, I, I want to read one more verse to you. And I was kind of thinking about this. I studied this message a lot. I was just kind of thinking about this for all of us and how, how powerful Jesus' statement can be in our life today. And I was kind of thinking about how all the work that we do really is so that we can rest, right? I mean, if you think about like our broader culture, for most people, like the work they do is so that they can rest, right? They, they work so that they can get a house to sleep in or they work to have food to enjoy, or they work to be able to go on vacation or ultimately retire. They work even to get toys and tools so that their work is more endurable, right? I mean, they, a lot of people work so that they can rest and that life is more restful. That's part, part of the reason why people work. But interestingly, there's, there's a work that God talks about in the Bible that has nothing to do with what we earn. There's a rest that comes from not our work, but God's work. And Jesus alluded to this in Matthew chapter 11 and verse 28. I I love this statement from Jesus and I'm gonna wrap it up with this. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You know, Jesus said that statement that you just saw to a group of Jews who had been following these 600 plus laws and it was a burden that they could never find relief from because no matter how hard they tried, they knew that they would always fail and and they were tired and weary of carrying all these laws. And Jesus came along and he said, come to me because my burden is light. My yoke is easy. It's not not this heavy religious yoke that I'm meaning to put around your neck. In fact, just come to me because my way of rest is easy. My burden, my load is light. I'm not gonna give you more rituals to carry and rules to follow. That's not why I've come to condemn you and tell you how you're not good enough and how you're not making it. In fact, I've come to relieve that and help you see that I'm coming to finish the work. And he did finish that work on the cross. He gave his life so you and I could have eternal life. And his finished work on the cross completed and fulfilled God's plan for you to be reconciled with him. And when you receive his work, then you don't have to work 
to get in a relationship with God. Because here's the truth. You would never be able to finish that work. You would never be successful in doing all the work to make yourself right with God. You just would never do it because we've all sinned and we've all fallen short. And so when Jesus came and he finished the work on the cross, he, he did it. He finished it so that you don't have to do it because you couldn't have done it anyway. And so Jesus' work, here's, here's the final lesson. Jesus secures my lasting rest, not my work. It's, it's not based on my work and what I do. It's based on what Jesus has already done. Listen, that's the good news today, that your lasting rest, your eternal rest, your forever rest, not even one day out of seven, your, your eternal rest is secured in God through a relationship with Jesus Christ and his finished work on the cross. Praise God, because that's the best news of all time. And I hope that will help you sleep really good tonight as you rest secure knowing that Jesus has finished the work and your rest eternally is not dependent on your work. I hope that you'll take advantage of this gift of the Sabbath one day out of every seven, resting to honor God and to worship him in a special way. Right on, right on. Come on, let's pray. God, thank you so much for the gift of Sabbath. We confess, God, that so often we have neglected it and to our own fault, we have missed out. We've lost out on this this joyful, life-giving exercise of replenishing ourselves, setting aside work and setting aside all the distractions and all the things that fill our minds and our times so that we can fill our heart with you. And God, we know we walk with you each and every day, even through the busyness and even through work. Our goal isn't to escape pressure. Our goal isn't to escape tension or work. We know those are good things, but we know you've commanded us that one day out of every seven to withdraw from our work so we can draw closer to you. And God, that's what we're asking you to help us with as we move forward to plan when we're gonna stop working and plan what's gonna recreate our souls. And most importantly, plan to reconnect with you in a special way so that we're fueled up for the mission that you have for us in the next six days. God, we love you so much and we thank you for every day that you give us. Every day is a gift. We're not entitled to the next moment, but God, you generously and graciously give us these days so that we can honor you and live on mission for you. So Jesus, please use all our days to help more people experience a full life in Jesus Christ and help us rest in you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Wow, what a great day it has been together. And you know, I hope that God really spoke to you during that time of worship and message. In fact, if you happen to make a commitment during today's service, please go ahead and scan that code uh, so that we can get connected with you. You know, you may be saying, I wish I was more connected here at CE. You can scan that code or subscribe is even better because then you'll know what's going on. Uh, But we also have a website, an app, social media. You can catch us at all those places. No matter how you do it, we would love to connect with you. And I can't wait to see you again next service.